Shalom Aleichem, Habibi. Aleichem Shalom, how are you? Uh, I am well, Baruch Hashem, cold Beseder. And you? I'm doing well as well. Good to be on. Amen. Well, to our listeners, welcome to the Shof team, Haftarah, Gitusam, with Shomerman and Chassis. All right, we'll get started with the blessing before the Haftarah and get underway. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Bakar Bin Ve'im Tovim Ve'ratza Ve'divrehem Ha Ne'amarim Be'emet Baruch Atah Adonai Haboker Batorah Uv Moshe Avdo Uv Yisrael Amo Uvin Vie Ha'emet Vazedek Bizkut Mashiach Yeshua Amen Amen. Amen. All right. So, it's Parsha Shof team this week. What's going on? Well, we got uh, Parsha Shof team with a half Torah Anoki Anoki. Anoki so, this time instead of Nakamu. That's right. Uh, still, there's this, there's this kind of overlaying theme you'll see in these, these half tours of constellation, this theme of like duality. It's like repetition of phrases that, that keeps popping up, which is very interesting. Like two Mashiachs? Like two Mashiachs. Oh, exactly. Or like like the written Torah and the oral Torah. Wow. Coming together. Wow. To make to make uh, union. Bring you know. All right, we'll bring Broke it on. Up. All right. So, uh, so do, do we start with overview first, or are we going into ideas about Isaiah? Let's start with the overview and then head into... The introduction of Yeshiyahu. All right. Okay, Half Torah Shof team. This is the Half Torah is from the book of Yeshiyahu, Isaiah. The prophet brings a message of hope to his people exiled in Babylonia. They need no longer fear the tyrant who rules over them, for God has remembered his people. And your Jerusalem will rise again. The captive Judeans will be freed once more. Jerusalem will soon be redeemed from the conqueror, and the peoples will rejoice in Zion. They must now prepare for a happy return to their beloved land. God and Israel are to be reunited, and the nations will witness the great happening. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Babylonian captivity will end as the captivity in Mitzrayim passed. What was the last statement? So the ba- Babylonian captivity will end as the captivity in, in Mitzrayim in Egypt passed. Okay. <laughs> so it's relating the captivity in Babylon to uh, Egypt and how we're going to end up being redeemed in the same manner. So that definitely ties to the current exile because basically the uh, commentary is that when we are redeemed from this exile, it will be considered to be a greater exodus. So it's type and patterned after the deliverance from Mitzrayim, like leaving out of this exile. Uh, we just have a such a beautiful picture depicting the Torah, you know, for us. Pattern. I think I think that's that's comforting. That's comforting, though, that we have a, that we have a God of pattern, God of consistency, yes. and and one who's who's allowed His Torah to be laid out in front of us, so we can look back to it and have that idea of just that comfort. And this is what happened. And even though they were in uh, trying situations, they were redeemed, and He was faithful to His promise. Amen. So, yeah, there definitely is a 
there's a huge benefit of stability and security that we can definitely lean and rely upon. So thank Hashem for that. Amen. All right, so we have uh, Yeshiyahu, just a little bit about him. All right. Now we've been talking about him a lot lately, which is awesome. Yes. It says, uh, he justified Israel and spoke in their defense. Peskita Rabbatai 33.25. The book of Isaiah is holy, or majority, just consolation. And we have uh, this interesting from Yushlami Taunit 1.1. says, watch what of the night. The people of Israel said to Isaiah, our teacher, Yeshia, what will come of this night of exile? He replied, wait for me to ask God. After he had asked, he returned to them. They asked, what did the watchman of the world say? He replied, the watchman said, the morning will come and also the night. Morning to the righteous and night to the wicked. When, they asked. Whenever you wish, he answered. What is holding it back, they asked. Teshuva, he answered. Whoa. Teshuva. Wow. That's what's holding it back. So repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Exactly. That's where that comes from. <laughs> mm-hmm. Teshuva, just like push forth and break forth the kingdom of heaven with your teshuva, turn back to Hashem. Wow. And last little point, which says, Moshe said, you will be lost among the nations. Vayikra 2638. Shia came and said, it shall come to pass that on that day that a great shofar will be sounded. And those who are lost shall come and bow down to Hashem in Jerusalem. Yeshayahu 2713. It's from Machos 24a. Wow. It's just like, I I know we talked about, you know, you see all these these parallels. uh, You know, Moshe talks about there will be rise up uh, one who will come after me, will be like me. And so we have, like, literally who came after him. Right after that was his his Talmudim, it was Yehoshua. Yes. Very close to uh, name Yeshua. It's like <laughs> the same name, Yehoshua, Yeshua. Right. And then you have right here, it, it compares Moshe's talking about you'll be scattered. And then it says after that, Yeshiyahu came. And he says there'll be a great shofar and you'll be gathered. Mm-mm-mm. And we talked about Yeshiyahu's name essentially being like Yeshua. Same as Yeshua and uh, so he has the revealed and the concealed Mashiach. Yes. So if you look at the Yod and Hey being the initials for Yeshua HaMashiach and then Yeshua, then when you spell out the name Yeshayahu, we can see the two Mashiachs right there. And um, I mean, that's that's definitely a new layer of insight to think about not only does Yeshayahu uh, contain within it the two Mashiachs, but one is revealed and the other is concealed. Just like Moshe is the revealed redeemer because he represents the mem that is open. And then he says there will one there will be one that comes after him that is like him. And we know that is Mashiach Yeshua. And Mashiach is the closed mem, the concealed mem. Yes, and just to just to like hammer that that beautiful point that you're making home. If you're looking at these these parallels about like who came after Moshe, and of course who it's pointing to, like you said, it's Yeshua. Right. You have Yehoshua, the same Yehoshua, Yeshua. Uh, it's like the same same name, 
And then you have right here, it's it's almost insinuating that Isaiah, it's like this, who came after Moshe to Engar the exiles, is like Isaiah, Yeshia, which is Yeshua, wow. connected with the Yud, the Hey, like the divine name of Hashem. And so it's like Yeshua came first, and then he's coming back to be revealed in, in his all of his glory, his divinity. Wow. Wow. Man. So, so we, we've got a wonderful pattern, like you stressed before, these wonderful patterns that we have. So I'm looking at the fact of you're saying about the great shofar that will be sounded and mm-hmm. that the lost sheep will be gathered. Well, yes. looking at Matityahu 15:24, it says, But Mashiach Yeshua said in reply, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, I mean, you think about the the sound of the shofar, which is likened to the voice of Hashem, and then we know that Mashiach Yeshua is the voice of Hashem because the voice of Hashem was what walked in the garden with Adam and Hava. And so here we are right now with Mashiach being literally the voice of God manifest. And the only words that he speaks, you know, is the words that Hashem speaks. And then you overlay that with the commentary on Moshe in the last seven weeks of his life that the Shekinah is literally speaking through his throat. So if it was that way from Moshe, then how much more so for Mashiach? Man. Man. It's incredible. Selah. <laughs> Alright, so um, so that would be our introduction. Do we have more on uh, Yeshiyahu? So that's good for now. Uh, we're going to the Torah, uh, the half Torah Porsche. Um, I think it's really interesting that you brought up uh, the garden and, and the voice manifesting and, and Adam and Bizarrah uh, Shem. We're going to be talking, mentioning that and, and expanding our view of that, hopefully. Oh, I mean, let's do that. Can you so it's, it's interesting, that synchronicity thing that we've talked about before. Yes, <laughs> yes. May the redemption happen speedily and soon in our days. Oh, my goodness. Amen. come get us. All right, so we have uh, just a summary, quick, quick overview of essentially the verses, what they're about. You have, this is uh, Yeshua 51, verses 12 to 14, is B'nai Israel need to not be afraid of their enemies who are mortal. Uh, 15 through 23, Hashem, the all-powerful God, has promised to protect the Jewish people. And then chapter 52, 1 and 2 is preparing for the redemption. Uh, 3 and 6, in the future, Hashem will punish all oppressors of the Jews. 7 through 8, the forthcoming redemption will be announced by a herald, mm. and 9 through 12 happenings at the end of the exile. Wow. And we, we do have a few connections to this this half Torah. Um, essentially, uh, we have, uh, when Parsha Shoftim begins by instructing the mitzvah of appointing a great number of judges and court officers, and later the Parsha deals with the mitzvah to have a Jewish king. And so in co- contrast to that, we have the half Torah, which explores this the lack of leadership in exile it says there is none to lead her from the children she has born. So it's like this 
like more of a contrast and a connection there. But it's like this overlaying theme of leadership and the lack of leadership and what what happens when you don't have leadership. Right. Um, also, we have this part that stresses that the Jews are not to imitate the corrupt ways of the nations living in Eretz Canaan. Come on. And half Torah two emphasizes the importance of the Jews in exile, distancing themselves from the corrupt environment yes. in order to merit redemption. Yes. It says, arouse yourself, arouse yourself from your spiritual sleep in exile. That that statement cannot be said enough. You know, like I agree. Just because we're in exile doesn't mean that we need to give up hope or fall into the ways of the the. I mean, to just say that the influences are loud and in our face, that's an understatement. <laughs> it's just like, no, you will be a goy. And it's just like, no, I'm Jewish. Like, sorry. Sorry to because disappoint you. <laughs> there's a phrase. There's a phrase that, that's often quoted. And I don't like the phrase, so I'm changing it. It says, uh, when in Rome, look for the leper messiah. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> when in Rome, do not do like the Romans do. When in Rome, look for the leper Mashiach. Wow. <laughs> While you're roaming around. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Hey, I, I, I love that. I just want to let you know. Ta-da. I think, I think it's something that we should definitely get wrapped up in. Okay, so we're going to uh, spend spend uh, a bit of time just in this first verse because I think it's there's some really powerful insight in uh, says really powerful insights just within the first verse. All right, and that's what we've been noticing about these these half tours, especially with the the double repetition. Yes, I agree with that too. <laughs> and so we have um, says the midrash half Torah talks about the, the Pasuk uses the expressions Anoki. So the very first part of the verse is Anoki, Anoki, Hu, Menachem, Kem. Mm. And it says, I, I am truly, I am your comforter. And so we have the Pasuk uses the expressions Anoki for I rather than Ani. Anoki connotates I and no other. Ben Israel have suffered so enormously in exile, they will not be counted with the comfort of being the greatest human beings, such as our forefathers of the prophets, they will accept consolation only from Hashem Himself. Not the idea of accepting consolation only from Hashem, and it comments on this this idea of Anokim being doubled. Mm-hmm. We have this a little story time. Story time. As a nobleman once became incensed with his wife because she acted improperly, and in his rage drove her from his palace. A while later, he decided to bring her back. When she heard about it, she demanded, let him promise me to double the amount stipulated in our marriage contract. Only then will I return. The nobleman agreed to this condition. So, very short story time. It says, similarly, <laughs> when the Jewish people accepted Hashem's sovereignty upon themselves at Han Sinai, he presented them with a marriage contract, the Ketubah, consisting of ten commandments, beginning with the word Anoki. Later, they sinned and violated the Ketubah and were driven into the Galus, exile. The suffering they endured there was so excessive that they pleaded with Hashem to grant them a double Anoki in the future at the time of their return to Eretz Israel. Remembering B'nai Israel's great merit of originally accepting his sovereignty, Hashem granted their wish. Wow. 
It says the, the Anoki, the revelation of the Shekinah, we will merit in the future, will be even greater than the one at Har Sinai. It will console us for all the suffering in our past. And then another interpretation is the double eye, Anoki Anoki, alludes to that Hashem will comfort us for the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash and the second Beit HaMikdash. Amen. Wow. That's a get you some right there. Yes. We have this idea. Um, I, I know, uh, Rabbi, you mentioned Moshe, and when he would speak, it'd be like the Shekhanah speaking through him. Yes. And Trugman highlights in in uh, his book, Orchard of the Lights, that uh, when Anoki is mentioned, there's like this, it's almost this, uh, I don't want to necessarily use the word confusion, but it's this, this, this uncertainty of, is Hashem speaking or is Moshe speaking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so there's this idea being brought forth um, about that. And I'm just going to find my place right here. So Anoki, as you may know, is a very powerful, powerful word. And it's also an acronym. It mentioned, it mentioned in the Midrash that it, it talks about this idea of Anoki uh, being given at Sinai. And the Baal Shem Tov comments on Anoki. He says, the Talmud says the word I... Anoki is an acronym for the words, I gave my soul in writing. Wow. For the Torah corresponds to the human being. As the verse says, this is the Torah man. Just as a human being has 258 limbs and 365 sinews, so the Torah has 248 positive commandments and 365 negative commandments. Each commandment corresponds to a particular organ given it life from the source of that commandment. Thus, a person's life flows from the entire Torah. Wow. And so it goes on talking about this idea. It says, so like the Holy Torah has a body and a soul, which is in its, its hidden dimension. And it talks about the word mean I gave my soul in writing, and the soul referring to the Torah. And implying that the very essence of God is hidden within the Holy Torah. Wow. Good night. <laughs> And uh, since if you're worried, uh, the, the words is Ana Nafshi Katovit Yehovit, which translated, I, wrote, I myself wrote these words and gave them to you, but on a closer inspection, it's I wrote down my very soul and gave it to you. Or mo- more politically, my soul is inscribed in these words and I gave it to you. In other words, you're talking about this is the bringing forth of the logos. And yes, I did use the Greek word because... You know, many people say that, well, you know, when the... Oh, with technical difficulties, obviously that would happen right now. Because, so we're going to just hold a tab right there. So everybody stand by. Okay, uh, you there? Yep, you were talking about the the logos. Okay, yeah, it was like, logos, what? Ah, It's like, okay, so anyway, I brought that up because that that is obviously the Greek word that's used in Yochanan chapter 1. And because many people may say that, yes, when the word became flesh, it was the essence. It wasn't literally like the Torah, but, you know, or the Bible, so to speak, the Tanakh. But, uh, you know, as we're talking about Anoki... One would simply just need to do a study on the acronym of Anoki, because whether it's 
literally the Torah itself, literally the soul of Hashem, literally the essence of Hashem. It's all yes. That's what became flesh and dwelt among us. So just wanted to point that out just for um, some tools to put in your tool belt and your toolbox. So there you go. Man, I, I appreciate that so much because it's the whole idea of just making parallels. Like it's this whole idea of like essentially of, of unifying all these things in the world, like seeing things as a God, seeing things as from a shim and, and like not especially not this division between uh, like old Old Testament, New Testament, as if one is done away with and one implies that Hashem changes Hasfishalom. And so, I mean, I, I love that you bring that. I love that you're you're making these parallels to emphasize that it's all this one uh, this one story, this one book, this one word of Hashem that's calling out to the world to first to make the shuva and turn back to him. Amen. And that's the beautiful thing, too, because we talked about this last week, and I'm still just mind-blown about this. And I've been talking to everybody. I, I, Man, if I see you, I'm talking to you, you know, about this. Because many people get caught up in all these traps of, like, when I die, am I going to go to heaven? Or, like, you know, do people believe in JC? And, like, you know, are you saved? And, like, all this stuff. This guy doesn't believe he's going to go to heaven when he dies. I'm praying for him. We need to be praying for him. And I'm like, these are all, like, different conversations that I'm hearing. Obviously, they're not coming from Jews. But, you know, there's so much you know, going around, you know, when people don't know that the, the Bible is one. There is no new and old testament. There is it's the Tanakh and the covenant being renewed and the Basora is the flesh version of the Torah. Like that's what the good news is. The good news literally is the Torah. The good news is literally that Hashem desired for the world to be created and for man to be brought forth to work with him and to bring creation into a more refined uh, state of existence and to bring all of the spiritual worlds down into the lower world. You know, like that's why we would have a Beit HaMikdash. That's why we would have the pilgrimage festivals. You know, that's why all the waters would be purified from the river that would flow out of Yerushalayim. The nations coming to Yerushalayim to learn the ways of Hashem, you know. So like since last week, that's all just been kind of like mikvahing me. I don't know the term for that, but it's been just kind of going crazy. And it's I a good verb. Yeah, right. And I've been uh, let, it's very refreshing. Uh, I've been just letting people know, hey, like right now, it's crazy right now. It's a struggle, you know, but what we need to be doing is earnestly, literally it, with our due diligence, trying to seek out God, you know, and obviously he gave us his Torah. And you can look through the Gospels and you still see the same thing, you know. And so there needs to be refinement going on. People need to be developing a relationship with Hashem like themselves. Like, don't let anyone spood feed you. Don't let anyone guilt trip you. Don't let anyone, you know, preach at you. You know, we have to know God for ourselves because it's a personal relationship. 
you know, and what our goal should be and what our role is actually, not just our goal, but our role. Literally, Mashiach says, go out into the nations, teach them what I've taught you. And last time I checked, the only way we can teach is through love. And if it ain't if it ain't through love, then, you know, you don't have anything to teach, you know. So it's just like just having that heart of compassion and just, you know, really um, trying to connect and understand where people are, you know, like don't just throw stuff at them, you know. And so I've just been, you know, trying to speak comfort into people's lives that, you know, this is not it. You know, God is going to call all men to himself. He doesn't want anybody to perish. You know, the only reason you would, quote unquote, not go to heaven is because you don't want to, you know, like, man, like, that's just incredible to think about just how merciful God is. And I think that gets shortchanged so much in, in daily conversations and, you know, things like that. So I love what you're bringing up here about Anoki and keeping everything connected and Rukushim. Rukushim uh, like this, this Anakia just get, just goes further and further. Talks about uh, when when Moshe argued with the Shem uh, Sane, the burning bush. He said, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh?" But the Midrash there explains that that Moshe argued that he was not the Anoki. He was not the I that had been promised to Yaakov. When Hashem said, "Alecha gam alo." I shall also surely bring you up. Moshe said to Hashem, you promised Yaakov that you would be the Anoki, the I. That would take Bnei Israel out of the Mitzrayim, not me. And so here this Haftor comes, starting with Anoki, Anoki, only I, only I, am he who comforts you. There's this question like, what, what difference is there, uh, is it between Hashem who is the Anoki, or if it's Moshe, or some other prophet fulfilling Hashem's promise of the redemption? Wow. And it talks about when Hashem promised Yaakov that he would take us out of Mitzrayim, and when Moshe argued his appointment to do so was not the same as Hashem himself doing so, and his using the Anoki nation to console the nation uh, for the Choron, for the destruction. It says, all these emphasize that the comfort of the promised redemption and its encouragement to us to learn and keep the Torah is because the Geula, the redemption, will be a product of Hashem's love for us and his belief in our ability to be close to him. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, is this idea, you know, like Moshe says, no, you would be the Anarchy. And, and we talked about, like, what, what is this? What is this a difference between uh, another prophet, Moshe, and Hashem? being this Anoki, being the one who redeems us. It's, it's all this product of Hashem's like, love for us, that He's the one who redeems us. And it's, it's this idea that, that He truly believes in us. He truly believes in our ability to do Teshuva and come back close to Him. Like He has this, this unwavering faith within us. Mm-mm. You know, and so it's, it also insinuates that the idea that it does have to be a divine Mashiach. It has to be Hashem. It can't just be a regular prophet or a regular man. And so we have this further idea of Anoki, uh, Kododi on the half Torah uh, mentions this. It says the repetition of the words alludes to two statements in the Ten Commandments. God proclaims that Anoki, I am Hashem your God, who has taken you out of the land of Mitzrayim. The second statement is God's assurance that he will redeem us in the future, just as he redeemed us from Mitzrayim. And it says this double assurance is also alluded to in the horns of the ram that replaced Yitzhak at the Achadah. What? The... The sages teach that one of its horns became the chauffeur that was sent on Har Sinai, 
And the other horn was the shofar that heralds the coming of Mashiach. And so this anokhi, this double anokhi, hints at the, the two horns of the, the, the ram of the Akedah. And so right here within this picture, it's talking about anokhi, anokhi has this allusion to like Yitzhak and uh, and, and Midrash Korach, it talks about how, we mentioned this before, but all the, all the, the letters that have final forms, yeah. when they're doubled up, like you'll see, you'll see a letter in this word and you see the same letter in the next word, mm-hmm. it hints to a certain Sadiq. And so you have the Kaf, which hints to like Avraham, it says Lech Lecha, like go. Right. So you have Anoki, Anoki, and then you have the Noon, which hints at uh, Yaakov, which yeah. is the Noon of the Anoki and the second Noon of the Anoki. And then you have right here, it's talking about that both of them together hint at uh, the Akedah, like the land that replaced Yitzhak. And so you have all the patriarchs in this. And uh, this, the Midrash Haftor actually expands on this. And it, and it talks about when it says, beware of who you are, descendants of the righteous Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and hence meritorious. He's, in, in this statement, he's, he's reminding us of who we are. There's also this idea of uh, endearment. Because whenever Hashem mentions a name twice, or where a na- name is mentioned twice, it's usually this idea of like endearment. And so he says, Anoki, Anoki. Like endearment. And it talks about, we already talked about, he, he, he wrote down his soul in the Torah and gave it to us. Man. And furthermore, uh, find it real quick. Furthermore, this idea of Anoki. Um, it's the very first time it's it's used in this spelling is in Bereshit 3.10. Ooh. It says, The man said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. You mentioned like the voice in the garden. Uh-oh. Because I was naked, and I hid myself. And the, the last point, I, and I hid myself, is Anoki ve'e And so it has this idea of this connotation of, of concealment, of hiding. And it mentioned he was hiding himself from... Uh, the voice uh, so it has this, this idea it was high himself from the, this voice and if you look at the voice when it says and they heard the voice like manifesting itself if you yeah. look at the word for and they heard it's which killed, can be rearranged to said and from Yeshua the voice manifested itself wow <laughs> And so you have this idea, this anokhi is like, it's going, it's going back to the garden. And it has this idea yeah. of us hiding, hiding in our shame from a shim because of a sin we did. And we mentioned all these half tours and what Isaiah did, he was talking about Teshuvah, he was talking about returning to a shim. Like you, you just have all these pictures of this word anokhi. Like we talked about it being Hashem, writing his soul down in the Torah and giving it to us. It, it, it mentions the, the ram at the Akedah. Where he, he, in his faithfulness to his promise to Avraham, gave a lamb, gave this ram, I should say, as a replacement for Yitzhak. We mentioned Anoki as, as the idea of he is the Anoki, he's going to be the one who redeems us. And then we have this idea, it's, it's doubled, it's like this term of just this endearment. And so you really piece all, the, all these things together and you get this, this beautiful picture that's unfolding in just these two words. Wow. And you think about this, uh, the whole idea, I'd like to talk for a second about the whole idea of writing down your soul and giving it. And, uh, when er, uh, I used to write, I used to write like poetry. Really? 
Yeah, I used to like poetry um, just to really, and, and really poetry, what it was, especially for me, it was, it was, it was a way to express like these deepest emotions. Anyone who's, who's really connected to writing songs or uh, lyrics or, you know, especially like poetry, it's like, it's like you're expressing like deepest emotions, deepest pain, deepest passions, uh, the, the deepest things you care for in life. Oh and you, you, arrange it, you arrange it in on this paper, just pouring your heart, pouring your, your soul, if you will, in these words. And you arrange them in a way that's, that's, that, that, that's creative, that's insightful. It's almost like hidden, like you have to search for it. It's this idea of, you know, phrasing a way that's like intellectually stimulating as well. So it's not just like this easy thing, like you read it and you understand. It's like this like poetic, cryptic, passionate uh, kind of language. Mm-hmm. And what it what it really is, it's like for a lot of people, I know what's for me. It's like this healing, this healing process, pouring your soul into a into this paper and allowing it to heal you, allowing it to to express everything you desire. You you think about this, and and just relating this idea to a shim writing down his soul and giving it to us not that that he needed healing but that he was writing this down right pouring out his soul to give to us for our healing Ooh, it's like he was writing this us uh, this beautiful poetry called the torah it was expressing his entire heart his entire soul his entire being into this that into this uh this this text that we would get to know him we mentioned before that the Torah is comprised of uh, a bit at the very beginning, a lament at the very end, and you put them together, it's love, it's heart. And so it's like he was opening up his heart to us. Wow. And for our healing. And so if you really look at the Torah and this aspect, you don't see it as this harsh, like like you like you mentioned earlier, like this misconstrued idea of God. Right. You look at through that that those those eyes that perspective. You don't see it as this harsh. Okay, well, I expect this of you. If you don't do it, then I'm going to punish you. You see it as literally like he's he's writing this this huge love letter to us, and of of stories and and practical laws and and all these ideas that if we abide in that story, if we abide in those laws, if we abide in his Torah. Really, what it's going to do is bring healing to our lives. Wow. And so practically speaking, you know, when we follow the Torah, we're being healed. If we don't, we're not being healed. And so really, when we don't do it, we're just punishing ourselves. And so when we think about it, when, you know, uh, for example, we, we recently learned a couple of parts ago about like blessing Hashem after we eat. Yes. And so if we eat uh, uh, a piece of bread, you know, and we don't say birka after afterwards then what we're doing we're restricting ourselves from allowing ourselves this healing from all these all these klipas all these all these insecurities all these uh all these like bad things that we so prone to attach ourselves to yeah and so the more we observe the more more we 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 dive into his torah we open up his his poetry his love letter to us the, the more we're allowed to be healed, the more we're allowed to be connected, and the more we're allowed to, to break uh, forth from uh, all the, the Yetzirah schemes and, and all these klopot that try to attach us to our lives. Are you saying that he who the Son sets free is free indeed? Exactly. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Wow. And we, we, we take it back to like this whole idea of 
the first time it's used is in the garden when it says, and I hid myself. Why did he hid himself? Because it was naked. It was a shame because he lost all his glory. He lost his closeness to Hashem. He says, and, and I hid myself. And it's an idea of, of, of just hiding and, 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 and shying away from Hashem because you're so ashamed of something you did in your life or, or, or something you, you did or uh, have been doing or, or whatever. And it's just this idea of like when, when he's calling out Anoki, Anoki, it's this interment of endearment. It's this term reminding me, hey, I wrote down everything I am in this Torah and gave it to you. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to live your life in seclusion from you. I know what you did wrong, and I accept you. I believe in your ability to come back to me. I believe in our the ability for relationship to be restored. Wow. And so that's what we have in these two, just these two Anoki Anoki with the beginning of a half Torah. So it's like the the first Anoki was in the garden when we hid from him. And mm-hmm. the second Anoki is now where we hide in him. Yes. It's like this. he takes us back to the garden. He takes us back our this this moment of shame but it's it's not it's not in a sense to to put us to shame it's in a sense to say i i I see everything you are and i accept you but you have to turn back to me wow and so we have these ideas that are just uh being brought forth and you have if you take the misbachatan the small gamacha of anoki you get nine we have two right here Uh so we have Nine plus nine will give you eighteen. Oh my goodness! So right here we have the same gematria, the same gematria as chai of life, and so this is what he's bringing forth to us. And he, when he says anoki twice, anoki anoki, he says, "I bring you life." This is also how many prayers we have in the Shmoni Esrei, the eighteen prayers. So it's this connotation of prayers, oh and um, so if you're not not praying, start praying. It's, it's a way to connect to Hashem, <laughs> and and it's a way to bring 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 blessing abundant blessing and connection to him within your life wow then we have Sleeka, what's up? Go ahead. Uh, didn't you say um that the gematria or of uh 17 that would be tove right mm-hmm. so if you added an olive to tove you would get um Basically, you first of all, the gematria, if you add the olive, would make it 18. But I'm looking at the letters that are there when you do tov, olive. And if you do that, you have the word for father, which is olive and vet, which is av. And then you're left with this tet and this vav. And nine plus six is 15, Right. So literally, the other gematria of eighteen being life, the Shemone Esrei, you also have this picture of our Father Yah, our Father Hashem, our Father Yeshua Hamashiach. Oh wow! And then I don't know if you got to hear or see uh, Ish Pela his uh, latest violence about the uh, Adonai Seftai Tiftak, but he was quoting from the Midrash Tehillim, and it was saying the reason we preface the Shimon Esrei with that phrase 
is because we are now aligning ourselves with Hashem's words. So when we're praying the Shemone Esrei, it's is it is as if Hashem is speaking through us at that point. Wow, <laughs> so that's beautiful. That was uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm still trying to recover from that. So <laughs> he also he also mentioned something before. I remember remember reading it about uh, Anoki alluding to like the messianic redemption. And and this idea, like every letter alludes to, like I, I believe, it was like a phase within the the messianic redemption. You know redemption what? If you don't mind, I would like to go ahead and share that. All right, you got it right now. I do. Okay, go for it. He is quoting from what did he say? His source was, I believe, it was the the Kol Hatur. Um, because I don't see where he sources this, but it says that Anoki is linked with redemption. Anoki signifies the first redemption from Mitzrayim and the last redemption through Mashiach. Anoki is an explicit expression of compassion, consolation, and comfort. Indeed, Anoki is an acronym with every one of its four letters signifying biblical prophecies of messianic consolation and comfort. Mm. And where are we at? The half Torahs of comfort. Yes. Wow. And so all these ideas, even if you, uh, even to, to hammer this point home about it being like the Torah, so if you take the first and last letter of Anochi Anochi, uh, you get 11, you get the Yud and Aleph 11, and then you get 11 from the next Anoki, and which gives you 20, 22. Oh. Which is the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So you have within this, this allusion to it's encompassing the entire Torah, and even even commentaries talk about it being like this idea of the encompassing of like the entire Torah, all <laughs> these all these letters within the Torah. Now, didn't you say before, I believe, that it was 22 years that Yosef was separated from his brothers. Oh, this is true. Wow. Yeah. Mm. The twenty-two years. So this is this is how this whole half tour starts off, <laughs> and so and it even further around in the commentaries it alludes Nachamu uh, Nachamu to Anoki Anoki, talking about how they're both these these deep words of consolation and comfort. And again, this is Hashem himself coming to comfort comfort us. Man, Hashem and, himself. Yes. And before we get to the last word, that, that, that phrase, I'd like to go to the word who. Yes. And so we have who, hey, vav, aleph, be our next word in this phrase. And Ginsburg talks about, since we're talking about Brashit a little bit, talks about when when Adam called every living creature. You know, he talks about the last two words in the phrase where Adam is calling every living creature. It says that was its name, but it says literally that reads Hushamo. He is his name. And it goes on to comment that if you take the gematria of Hushamo, it equals 356, the same gematria as Mashiach. It says that every living thing has has this spark of Mashiach within it. Wow. So you talk about like what you mentioned earlier about uh, what's rendered in the Greek as logos or, or the word that manifests itself, like the Torah that's within everything. And you talk about this whole idea how Mashiach, 
like being the essence, the essence of Torah through all things were made through him. This idea is prevalent. But yeah. also, if you look at it, it's like he is his name, who's Shemo. And so I was thinking, well, who is who is he? And if you know, you know the Ev- the Ivrit, then you know, pun intended, who is he? No. <laughs> right. Then he but, is how you say she. <laughs> exactly. So, so you have this this idea, and if you take the whole gematria of of who, you get it's Hevav Aleph, and you would get twelve, oh. which is the same as the Vav when it's spelled completely Vav Vav. Oh. And so this is, it's alluding to the Vav. We talk about Vav being the, we talk a lot about this, about being the letter of truth, about representing man, and it's this idea of connection. And so you have these two Vavs. This, this, so who, he here is connected to this idea of connection, this idea of truth, this idea of, of this, this appearance of a man. And if you look at its structure, the Vav is within the, the He, and the Aleph. Yeah. And if you highlight the Vav that you got Hey Aleph, which is how you fully spell the word Hey. What? Mm-hmm. So Hey is fully spelled. And so you have you have this idea of the Vav that connects the Hey's. And the sages sages comment that the world was made through the letter Hey, so that repentance could come to the world. Oh. And it talks about this idea, and you also think of the haze within Hashem's name. Wow. So right here you have, who is he? Who is the Mashiach? Well, he is the one who connects the name of Hashem, who bridges the, our world to, to the name of Hashem, yep. to make his name complete, as we say in the Elenu. That's it. That is it. Yes. <laughs> wow. And so... So we got Anoki, Anoki, these words of comfort, these words of Hashem expressing his soul, and then it transitions in Anoki, Anoki, Hu, which is this idea of, of since this Mashiach that we've been talking about, like connecting, connecting this world to Hashem's name to make, to manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth. Mm. And it talks about, I, I, I am your comforter. And this is something we talked about uh, a couple half towards ago about Menachem. It says Hashem is your comforter, and Hashem is your Menachem, but Menachem, as also the way we talked before, is a name of Mashiach. Yes, sir. Represents the Mem of Mashiach. Yep. So we have this whole idea of of the divine Mashiach back there, and just within this phrase, you have this idea of just like reaching out to people. Uh, this idea of of really what it means Hashem's love and Hashem connecting people back to Him and being their comforter. And of course, within the phrase, you have an Aleph at the beginning and a Mim, a final Mim at the very end of Anoki, Anoki, Hu, Menachem. We mentioned before that uh, the Aleph Mim, the word for Im, which is what encloses that little phrase, stands for Eliyahu and Mashiach. And so all these ideas of redemption are within, and Hashem's, Hashem's love and Hashem's reaching out to us are within this, this first little verse, wow. first part of the verse. Wow. Well, you know, a couple of things that I think of throughout the past uh, several minutes of violence that you've been doing. Um, so I'm going to say that you need to be in timeout, but um, I guess not for long. But uh, seriously, I was thinking about how in him we live, move and have our very being, you know, as quoted in Acts. 
and you know this is the who you know and you talk about how the vav is in between the hay and the olive the vav literally is in the hay you know and how that literally is in him like in hashem you know and uh how man has been placed into creation so hashem created this world with the hay the world to come with the yod so in between the hay and the yod there is the vav you know and um <clears throat> as far as between the two worlds and so us being placed in here uh in the midst of hashem i think is absolutely incredible which is why slika <clears throat> we have the the understanding that man is left without excuse before Hashem for not seeking him, you know, because creation reveals his majesty, you know, and, you know, just looking at all the different wondrous things in the world, you know, we have this, this stirring to go, there has to be something, you know, and, um, just seeing that picture right here is just absolutely incredible that Hashem has surrounded us, you know, wow. beautiful picture that's unfolding just in the first first part of the first verse <laughs> uh, yeah again because that's just the first verse yes quick tag too because i totally agree with everything we've been talking about um the haftarah companion that chabad provides i like this one phrase that they they've placed in here it says the way in which these consolations talking about the seven Haftarot, leading up to Rosh Hashanah here, it says, the way in which these constellations become continuously finer is reflected in the first verse of each Haftarah. So there's this idea of this gradual, like, focusing, you know, like the redemption, which happens gradually. The Haftarot are doing that. <laughs> it totally becomes more clear. Yes. Man. Well, I, I guess just to lead into like this next next session, the the second part of the verse it, it essentially talks about us, you know, not not fearing the the powers of man who who will eventually die. Come on. Um, and I think it's a great message. I, I also believe there's a, a deeper deeper meaning in the second half. Essentially, it talks about you know the man man who will eventually die, and then it goes in talking about the son of man who's like likened to grass with his quickly so it's still this idea of death and so this the but adam is also it's a it's a name it's essence it's a, a mission of mashiach and so right here you have this alluding to the son of man will will wither away and die so this whole this whole death of mashiach you know we talk about mashiach ben yosef has to has to die and has to suffer before David comes and reigns. Yeah. And interesting enough, what's that? I was just saying because Hashem is going to use the same thing that wounded us, He's going to use that same thing to heal us. Yes. You know, it was because of a tree that all of man were uh, placed and condemned to death. And so through a tree, Hashem would cause all of us to be brought back into life. And it's interesting because it's definitely a pun. It's like a canopy because 
Not only is Mashiach's crucifixion stake like the tree that cancels out death and destroys death, but also Mashiach himself is the tree of life, you know, and then we're learning in this week's Torah portion about how man is the tree of a field, you know, and how we're to bear fruit and uh, we are to bring benefit and nourishment and, and thinking about the fact that the tree of life is benefit, it's nourishment. And then Mashiach being on the crucifixion stake for us, he brought us benefit and nourishment. Even though at the same time, it brought him death. Yeah. You know? And so this idea of the same way that Anoki happened, where it was like Hashem was writing out comfort into the Torah... Mashiach was writing out life through his death, you know, so it's just uh, like looking at all the circles within the circles, the pictures and the patterns, the types, the shadows and the the renewal that's happening, you know, so it, it's just an overlay, a tapestry, I think, of just incredible um, illumination that Hashem is allowing us, so... Oh man, I mean, I, I love that. I love the point that you're making about, you know, Mashiach being hung on a tree, essentially bearing this whole idea of like bearing, bearing fruit and that he had to lay his life down for our sakes. And the, the whole idea, like the, you mentioned the person is compared to a tree. We also know uh, that the Torah is compared to a tree, the Etz Chaim, the yeah. tree of life. Uh, if you look at the phrase Etz Chaim, I was, I was reading uh, early this week and I was talking about it can be translated more literally, is the tree of lives. Whoa. And so you have this idea that all these these lives are within the tree of life. It's like that's the root that's giving all these souls this life. What we have here on commentary to verse, verse 20, 50, 51, 20, it says, Your sons have fainted from lack of food and water. They lie at the head of all their streets on the wild oxen caught in a snare. There is no one to bury them. They are filled with Hashem's fury, the rebuke of your God. And so he's describing the events that are taking place in the time of the Chorban of the Be'a Mechdash, the destruction of, of the Holy Temple. And what he, he explains that all the Jews' sufferings will be an atonement for their sins. Ooh. And ultimately, a time will arrive when their sins will be expiated. Wow. And so you have this idea, um, yes, contrary to popular belief, Judaism does believe that the, the suffering suffering brings atonement for sins. <clears throat> that's that's actually a Jewish concept. And so you, you piecing these things together, you have the Etz Chaim, the, the Mashiach hung on a tree, Etz Chaim like can be translated like the tree of lives. And so you have this idea that all all our suffering is within the Etz Chaim, the tree of lives, but it's ultimately like him at its root. Wow. You know, blessed are you who persecute me who you be are persecuted on my sake on account of my sake that's right you know one of the words of mashiach's comfort wow so quick tag on that because the suffering being an atonement you know in romans 8 18 it says for i reckon that the suffering of this present time the sufferings they're not to be compared with the coming glory to be revealed in us and so if you think about how the glory is going to be revealed in us 
but it's through the suffering of this present time. And so if we're going through our suffering, if we go through this atonement process, the glory that is revealed in this, you know, just like Mashiach, when he was uh, falling down and getting punched in the face and spit on and insulted um, as he was carrying his stake. And ultimately they had to have a guy come help him. You know, he was rejoicing because he was like, at the end of this, the glory that's going to be brought forth and revealed in me, which is going to vicariously spread to all of us, you know, his children. You know, it's just kind of like if we look at what we're going through right now like that, you know, all the sufferings and the salvation that is is headed our way, you know. It's imminent. It's imminent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just this this half tour. It's such a, a, a beautiful half tour. I was lo- really looking forward to it. And I mean, this is this is the half tour that we we discussed earlier um, in Isaiah Yeshua fifty one seventeen, mm-hmm. where it says, "Wake up, wake up, arise, your son. You have drunk the cup of God's wrath from His hand. You have oh. drunk the suck the cup of the poison to the dregs." Yes, and do it. I don't, I don't know if we'll we'll expand too much as as we did before, but. Essentially, in this verse, um, you have you have this Torah code. Yeah. It's like Yeshua talking, and then you also have another Torah code within the same verse that says Hamashiach. It's essentially alluding to the the cup of wrath that Mashiach took upon himself that he was talking about in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm. where he's talking about if this cup shall pass, and they're talking about the cup of wrath because he wanted the kingdom of heaven to come now, but we just want to do Teshuva. We don't repent. All his Talmudim were sleeping. He says, awake, awake. But uh, So there's this whole illusion to him taking on the cup of wrath for our sake within uh, 51 verse 17. Wow. And uh, I got a story time. Story time again. <laughs> again. Two story times since the first one was so short. Okay. I feel like I did justice. <laughs> I was just about to say, I was like, this is this a short story? Yes. We're going to have to start calling it short story time. Short story time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it says, Shem foretold to Abraham, I will make your children like the dust of the earth. Why are they compared to dust? To begin with, dust covers the earth from one end to the other. Ooh. Likewise, the Jewish people will be spread over all the globe. This will help them survive at the time of evil decrees and exile. Even if the authorities in one country will annihilate them, Jews in other parts of the world will survive. Furthermore, the Jews are like the dust in that they need to keep the Torah, which is compared to water, to be blessed. Just as a dust, earth is only productive in combination with water. Finally, they will outlast their enemies similar to the dust that seems flimsy substance, yet outlast sturdy metals. Uh, Materials such as those made from metal, like iron, uh, that will eventually become rusty and disintegrate, turning into dust. And what? so you have this idea of like dust outlasting. There's also this idea of uh, almost it's almost a sinuing conversion because you have yes. all these heavy metals that eventually they rust away over yes. time and they become dust, which is what B'nai Israel, what we are compared to. Man, come on. And then it's talking about this idea of it's a very painful for, for us to be stepped upon by our enemies. Yep. But as a result, we acquire humility and other superior character traits that are required for the redemption. 
And at the same time, those who knew not of Hashem, those who were far away are being brought near. And it's through our suffering. It's through our being trampled upon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Wow. And so it's just this whole idea of humility, this whole idea of, of suffering and the goodness that it will bring. We have we have this another idea that's brought forth in 52.2 where it says, Shake yourselves from the dust that covers you because you sat on the earth in mourning. Ooh. Arise and sit on a chair, Jerusalem, rather than on the ground. Untie the ropes around your neck, captive daughters of Zion. And there's this in, interpretation uh, that's, that's brought down. And it's just saying that shake the dust off your earthy material ambitions, base character trait, which obscure the light of your soul from shining. Man. Untie the ropes around your neck, the sins that hold you captive. Finally, according to the Zohar, the Pasuk hints at the Techiyat Amatim, uh, which is the resurrection of the dead, the time when the Jews will all arise from the ground and shake off our <laughs> dust. Hashem will revive them and Eretz Israel, and they will live, we will live forever. Oh my goodness. Did they really, did that really just happen? That happened. It's, it's written. I can send you a picture if you want. <laughs> Man. Well, the only thing I would just love to add to that is this is what our Hebrews chapter 12 was talking about. Lay us, lay aside, let us lay aside every weight which so easily entangles us and fix and focus our eyes upon the author, perfecter, and finisher of our Amuna. Amen. That's where that came from. That came from this understanding that you know untie the bundled sins you know and and the anabekoak prayer that we pray oh yeah you know yes <laughs> wow and, wow so i love all these connections we're making especially when we're tied into our prayer book because yeah. you know we mentioned earlier anoki anoki the gamachu of small gamachu of like 18 which mm-hmm. is like the shmani Ezra. Like the main prayer that we pray, and That's right, isn't that uh, that prayer is called uh, the the tefillah, right? Ha tefillah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's called it's called prayer. Whenever we're talking about prayer, it's usually referring to the Amadash money Ezra. Wow. So which we stand, we literally arise and shake off the dust in order to do that. Oh yes. Yes, that's awesome. And how do we shake off the dust? We say the uh, the prayer about Hashem being our helper and that Hashem would arise. And then we also say Hashem Seftai Tiftak. Ufi Yagi Tehilateka. Amen. The word that's usually translated lips there, I was, I was reading the commentary and I was talking about how that can also translate boundaries and so it's like open up my boundaries that i might be declare your praise and we've been talking about loosing loosing the shackles of 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 sin and and dusting off all these bad character traits so you can declare hashem's so you can be made into a vessel of hashem uh we we actually have um another idea of hashem suffering with us in verse five says and now 52 5 and now what am I doing here, leaving my sons in exile so long, says Hashem? For my people were 
was taken at no cost, its captures praise themselves, attributing their success to their strength, says Hashem. Constantly, all day long, my name is blasphemed. And the, the Midrash Hathorah highlights that he, sh- he says, what am I doing here in the exile? Rather than, what are my sons doing there? Because his Shekhanah has gone into exile together with us. And this refers to our present exile, the Edomite exile. And so right here, it's just another idea of him, him suffering with us. And he doesn't just say, what are they doing here? Right. You know, it's like, Anoki, Anoki. He goes back to the garden where we said, Anoki, like, I, I hid myself. He goes back to where we hid. He goes back to where we're scattered in the exile. And he comes close to us and, and lifts us up from our level. You know, talking about, like, Hashem is the Sadiq. You know, and the whole principle of Sadiq is that he descends for the sake of, of helping others ascend, of bringing them up, of lifting them out of their their rut, if you will. Wow. And, of course, the sin uh, the sin brought upon the exile was Sanat Tanam, basis hatred between one Jew to another. Yes. And in order for this being redeemed, we must rectify this sin. I agree. Yes. And I know you agree. <laughs> <laughs> With your uh, the, the basis well, love. Well, I'm ready to Kick go, off. man. Like we need to pack it up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you uh, uh, see that uh, the heat, the Ivrit and uh, Pasuk Hey verse five that it says Karov Zidki, which is near is my righteous, my Zadik. Uh, which you said you're in Verse 52.5? 52.5. Or sleek out. No, not 52.5. 51.5. Oh. Why am I in 51.5? Because I'm just scanning the Hebrew on this page and uh, I just saw my righteousness is near, but literally the Hebrew can be translated my righteous man, my righteous one is near. My Zod. Wow. That's amazing. So anyway, sorry to go all the way back. I thought no, that was 52. No, that's, that's amazing because it's like the whole principle of a Sadiq is, <laughs> is within this this area. He's near. He was. It was near He's what near. we were doing. Uh, so the whole idea of Eche, a comforter is far from me, is being restored here because <laughs> the comforter is near. <laughs> yep. Can't hide too long. Can't. Uh, so, little, little fun fun fact to keep on tab. All right. Um, uh, we we talked about before, like little little fun facts that we have about um, like the prophets. Essentially, the words of the prophets were for every generation. That's why they're included in Sanak. And so, here's a fun fact that our sages say. This is commentary on, on verse six that the word lakin. Therefore, whenever this word appears, it constitutes an oath on Hashem's part. Uh oh. And so this this part where he says, "Therefore, my people shall know my name, Lakin Yada Amo Shmi." In this pasuk, Lakin is repeated, and it goes and says, "Lakin Bayam Hahu is talking about that uh, Hashem is confirming essentially the the redemption with a double oath. So here you have this idea of duality again. Uh oh, wow. <laughs> so. Then you have Lakin Lakin, this idea of this promise that's being made. Uh, he just comes to us like, I am true to my word. I'm not a man that I should lie. The, the key point being like that I should lie because he doesn't lie. <laughs> that's right. 
He does not. If Hashem makes you a promise, that's the only one you want to make you a promise. <laughs> exactly. Because he's for sure going to keep it. Man. But later on, we have in 52.7, like towards the end, it says, prior to uh, how, how pleasant are the footsteps of the herald upon the mountains announcing shalom, heralding good tidings, announcing salvation, saying unto Zion, your God has reigned. In uh, commentary from Kolodi, it says, the herald of Mashiach will appear on the mountains. Hmm. However, this phrase has another connotation. In Tehillim 121.1, declaring, I raise my eyes to the mountains. And so the sages read the words, uh, Horim, the parents, uh, instead of like the mountains. So Claudius is uh, all of Israel should set its sights on the legacy of the forefathers. Here, too, the verse suggests that in the merit of our forefathers, they will herald the coming of Mashiach. If we go to uh, 121.1, the voice that it's saying it's alluding to, Midrash Tankuma comments on this and says that um, in Parsha Toldot, it stresses that the only trustworthy uh, mortal mountain, the only trustworthy mountain is the Mashiach, whom the prophet Zechariah calls the great mountain, who will come by way of the mountains. As Isaiah foretells, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the herald who brings good tidings, who announces shalom. Man. So this so, is why the woman washed Yeshua's hair with her feet. Er, what? Wow. <laughs> that was way backwards. This is why the, the lady washed Yeshua's feet with her hair. Because she was beautifying them because there's how pleasant are the footsteps. Yes. Oh wow. And we know there's That's no greater glory for a woman than her hair. Wow. That is incredible. Man. Tears, hair, perfume. I mean, this is like the to me I think about how Miriam, you know, how she was for reuniting her parents back together so that Moshe could be born taking timbrels and all sorts of crazy instruments out of Egypt when it should be time for everybody to be taking all this gold and stuff she's like no we need some musical instruments because we about to celebrate and uh, you know and it's just like uh, I don't know if we're going to be celebrating because we're walking in circles and here comes the Egyptian army I thought they told us we can leave and now oh look look at that there's a big body of water in front of us these instruments are not going to help us because we don't have time to turn them into rafts and she's just like oh no 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 I, we're not going to build anything out of them we're going we're gonna to use them to praise you know, and there's this whole idea that this is all unfolding before the revelation happens. And it was it's it's the woman. The woman is doing that. Yeah. So shouts out to the Ishkayils for real. Able to see when there is nothing to see. <laughs> Just kind of like Parshareh, there's there's nothing to see, <laughs> you know. But there's everything to know, which is the voice of Hashem and his promises that he grants to us. So, Brug Hashem. Definitely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tab on that idea that you brought upon the Exodus. Hmm. That's, that's alluded to in like the last verse of our half Torah. Oh. But before we get into that. All right, um, all right. That's not end yet. We don't have the end yet. 
it says um, talking more commentary on verse seven goes in talking about how essentially this is alludes to uh, before Mashiach's arrival, the prophet Eliyahu will appear and it says, what is the mission of the prophet Eliyahu? It says it has three aims. First, he's coming to make peace in the world. And second, he will clarify any doubts that have arisen in Torah learning due to the long exile. Hmm. And then lastly, he will announce the Mashiach will come. Next, uh, as the next verse talks about, he announces salvation is forthcoming. And it talks about the idea that the prophet Eliyahu will introduce news gradually, beginning with the announcement there is now shalom, then proclaim the claim that good, good being a hint at Torah is about to happen, and finally revealing that the salvation has arrived. Mm, mm, mm. And so I think about Yochanan the Immerser, who Mashiach says, if you should accept it, he is Eliyahu. Right. You know, what he did, he established peace by turning the, the, the father's hearts, the son's hearts towards their fathers. Yes. And there's obviously quite a lot of bit of Torah that, that he would be teaching. Yes. You know, he had his, his own Talmudim. He wasn't just this random guy just out there doing crazy stuff and dunking no. people in water. Right. You know, he was literally out there mixing people, like restoring them, like rekindling their hearts and teaching them Torah. And and then you have this idea that he announces the Mashiach will come. And they what, what's indicated by this is that says he announces salvation. And so that is Mashmiah Yeshua. Yeshua. So he announces Yeshua. And I just think about like when he says, behold, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the earth get you some and like he was and he was announcing yeshua like he did all these things he he, did. he he made he made he restored peace he taught torah and he said behold salvation behold yeshua mm-hmm. wow and uh since we are talking about the end times this this the about mashiach coming back and verse 8 says a voice you're watching will be heard they lift their voice together they will jubilate for eye to eye. They will see Hashem return to Zion. And ask the question, who are these watchmen? And according to Chazal, the watchmen are the prophets. What? Who have envisioned the redemption even before its arrival. You know, Mashiach also kind of hints like this. Yeshua says the, the prophets long to see this day. Talking about him. And so there's also this idea that, that he's stressing forth that it, these watchmen is the prophets. Who are going to behold these things. But here it talks about this is a um, this is an allusion to the uh, confirms the fact that the future resurrection of the dead because it states all the prophets will sing together, including those who had previously passed away. All will rise and join in, and so there's your idea of like song. You're talking about singing at the Yom Suf. Yes, yes, lots of singing. Yes, and, and yeah, I believe that we talked about it last week about how. You know, part of hastening the redemption or the the the, uh, the signs of the redemption being near is that there's an increase in singing. And I don't remember what what we were sourcing, but I remember yeah, that was, coming up. It was Midrash Haftorah, and it was essentially it was, it was talking about um, this idea of uh, songs is usually referred to in the feminine. And that alludes to like the birth pains, like it talks about the birth pains of Mashiach, all the, the hardships that we'll have to endure before Mashiach arrives. And the final song is alluded to in the words, like in the masculine form. And so it, it's a it's in that form, it, it's stressing it. It's it's said in the, the male form, the masculine form to hint that there will be no more ba- birth pains. That will be it. That will be 
there's like this final song that's saying, hey, it's here, we're redeemed. Our Mashiach's here, we're redeemed. And you know what I love about the whole thing with the redemption is that it's contingent upon, well, I mean, it will happen, but one of the, the benefits and the privileges that we get to have in speeding it up is that, you know, are we willing to embrace it? Are we willing to receive it? You know, are we really turning to Hashem? You know, like just this whole idea, because we're in the month of Elul. You know, Hashem is circumcising our hearts as we speak. And we're ascribing to him that he is our beloved. And we're waiting on his response. Which we know he's going to respond. But it's just like, in this time, in the meantime, in between us calling out to him and him responding back. What are we doing? You know, and so I'm just thinking about how if we're looking at all of this heading into the redemption, you know, are we really using this time to the best that we can to really say, Hashem, we do repent and and the kingdom of heaven being at hand, we don't want it to just be at hand. We want it to be here. Man, man, like that's yeah, that's alluded to, like even in just like this whole this whole idea of the hay talking about restoring Hashem's name and this world being created with hay hay's five five books of Torah and you know the sages comment on it and talking about how essentially how it's structured there's this little gap on the top left hand side of the hay so that if you fall out to the bottom like essentially if you sin or you fall in some manner you fall out you could return through that little entrance and so that's how the that's how the hay represents the shuva. And so you have this idea of this this idea of there's an opening for you to return that's given in this world. You know, Teshuva was was created before before this world. It's a foundational thing, and it was given for us that we may have an opportunity to return to Hashem, return to His Torah, and and by doing so, we make His name complete. Wow, make His name complete. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, and the very last thing I, I said, I, I tab on your your Exodus Yam Suf drop. All right. And so the very last verse of this this half Torah says in fifty two twelve, you will not leave in haste as refugees usually do, nor in flight like people who are hunted. For Hashem will go in front of you to protect you, and your rear guard will you be the God of Israel Whoa. will be the God of Israel. And so this idea, uh, it. it First, there's so many connections to Exodus. There's this contradiction, though. There's this kind of uh, like it's opposites in the sense that you will not leave in haste. <laughs> right. And, and Egypt, we left in haste. You know, that's the whole idea of the unleavened bread. Right. You know, I'm time to rise. Let's go. You know, like eat it with your staff in hand. <laughs> and so it, this is opposites. Like you don't have to leave in haste. Like the, the amount of security. It's like almost like like there's nothing to worry about anymore this is it this is the final redemption and then he talks about essentially he Hashem will go in front of you and he'll be your rear guard and so automatically i'm thinking about the, the pillar of fire the, the the cloud the cloud of the fire yeah that protects them in front and behind mm. uh, from the egyptians and the word for the word for um 
rear guard, translate rear guard, Maaseth, which is literally in Gatherer, is the god of Israel. Oh, like the word yeah. Asaf, like Yosef. It's similar to As- Yosef. It's but it's Mim Aleph Samik Pe. Right. And so I'm you have at the uh, the root there, Aleph Samik Pe. Mm-hmm. Asaf. Yes. Wow. Continue. I'm just gonna be over here in the corner rocking myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it talks about God will be at the rear. He'll be the end gatherer of Bnei Israel at the time of the redemption, gathering in the souls who, through no fault of their own, were lost to the Jewish people in the bitter years of exile. Come. On. Eliyahu will have prepared the way for this by turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And Mashiach will complete the tasks. The Jewish people's salvation will be complete. And as Yeshiyahu encourages them in the half Torah, they need not despair despite all their enemies' attempts to annihilate them physically and spiritually. Man. And so just what I really get, uh, the overwhelming sense I get from this half Torah, it's talking about him being our comforter. And then it ends with this idea of him being our ingatherer, bringing us in. How, oh, Jerusalem, how I long for you as a chick would gather her hen, like, or as a hen would gather chicks under her wings. This is it. This is the fulfillment of what Mashiach was yearning. (laughs) And Mashiach will complete the task. (laughs) It it, it literally goes in talking about God will be at the rear, the end gatherer of her talks. And then it goes into talking about Eliyahu will, will mend the hearts of children, their fathers and Mashiach will complete the task. So basically, Mashiach himself was even anxious for the redemption to happen. Yes, oh. and uh, there's just this whole idea in this this half Torah, just about this idea of of comfort and suffering, because suffering is it's all through this. But it's almost like this allusion to suffering is it's like there's this it's being explained why there's this suffering going on, and it's this idea of Hashem comforts us. By being involved within our suffering, we wow. talked about Anoki. It's like a return to Ganadin, to our first, our first experience with other shame, where to the point where we want to hide ourselves. And he comes, and he comes to us at that point. Then we we discussed like just this idea of um, like Hashem saying, "What am I doing here?" He's in the exile with us. We also discussed the point about uh, Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach's name being in, inside the verse 51, uh, 17, and like how it's alluding to him drinking the cup of wrath. And we know that it was for our sake, not because he merited that. And so there's just like this constant, this constant idea that's being pushed forward. He is comforting us, and how he comforts us is by taking his, our affliction upon himself and being involved with our suffering. To the point that, like, he suffers himself for our sakes. Wow. Our comfort is his suffering. Yes. That definitely speaks to the fact that we were taken from Mitzrayim on the wings of eagles and brought to the mountain of God. Because the eagle places herself between the enemy and her young. And so it's it's basically the picture of being comforted, you know, by the one who suffers to bring us comfort, because it said that uh, 
the the eagle fears nothing but what's below it, you know. And so if there was any arrows or anything launched, you know, it would it would pierce the eagle first, but the young would be protected. It would pierce it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like the arrows that uh, Pharaoh and his army threw into the cloud, they pierced them all night. Oh man! Even into the morning. Yeah. Wow. That was the, a, that was the rear guard, by the way. The end gatherer. The end gatherer. <laughs> I'm going back what? to the corner. Yeah, I'm going back <laughs> I, might, I might have to <laughs> join you at the other side. <laughs> oh my word! Just, uh, just a, a beautiful picture. I love that. I love the whole the idea of the eagle takes the arrow in itself before it hits the young. This whole idea of the cloud taking those arrows and like the whole idea of in gathering, the whole idea of redemption is almost prefaced by the idea of being pierced. Mm. And so. Man, incredible. That's uh, what why a, what the, that's why the Zach- Oh, Sleek, go ahead. No, I was just saying what an incredible what an incredible God we serve. I'm into that. Know that, believe that, trust that. Love that. I was thinking about the Zechariah verse because if you think about the end gathering has to happen with the piercing. Uh, it is they will look upon him whom they have pierced and mourn for him as if for an only son you know and so just thinking about that looking upon his piercings and really this is what happens when we look into the torah because remember the torah was pierced mm-hmm. you know uh the scroll itself having the the thorn that stripes it you know for the letters to be written up on it and then all of the sinews that go interwoven throughout the different uh, sections of the scroll that are held together, you know, and, and then the Lukote, the sapphire tablets themselves were pierced all the way through with the letters floating in there. So everything, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say everything is, is all about piercing. Yeah. I was, I was going to just support tag one more thing and just the center letter of the Torah of like the unique letters of the Torah is a vav, which is essentially like a like a peg. Yes. Like you think of like a nail peg that's driven forth at the very center of the Torah, you know. Mm. And so you have like just to support your idea of that you're elucidating there of like the whole idea of the Torah being pierced, Shem being pierced for our sake. Wow. And that center letter, like in the in the middle of the Torah, is in the verse that talks about the nachash and the food of the nachash is the dust of the earth. You know, belly, right? The serpent. Okay. Well, that was extremely violent. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, put the weapons down, and uh, let's go with some uh, practical takeaways on the haftara this week. So I got to go first last time. So Tadarubah, it's your turn now. Okay. Well, we have this idea of of just really connecting to Hashem within your suffering. Mm. Uh, like so like anytime you're suffering, know that you're you're he's near to the brokenhearted and you're connecting with him. Um, we've we've mentioned this idea also about this idea of like suffering the Jewish idea, suffering is an atonement for sins. It's a completely Jewish idea. Um, the 
the main point that I'd say would be a practical takeaway is this idea of anochi anochi, this idea of this comforting phrase of endearment that Hashem gives to us, this idea that his Torah is literally like his, his poetry, his love letter, where he pours in his soul, his heart, uh, in writing for us, that we might be healed by living it. It's just like, like it's not just like this, this script that we read and we're healed by. It's like, it's like this dynamic poetry that he's wrote, written for us, of stories, of, of laws, of all these wonderful insights and history. And, and it's this dynamic poetry that we get to live and that we're healed by it and that we're brought out of our shame and, and, and we're pulled into a close, deep relationship with him. And so, like, uh, I would avoid seeing uh, the, the Torah as, as do's and don't and punishment and, and even war. Not to say there won't be those things, Hasfesh alone, but it's, it's a much healthier way to see it as, as this, this letter that he's written for us to bring us healing, to bring us joy, and to bring us in close relationship with him. I mean, so that's absolutely incredible. That's definitely a different take on uh, going through some hard times and some issues. Yes. So um, I appreciate that, you know, myself, just what you said, because, you know, things are crazy right now. And, and that's OK. You know, um, I was talking to my coworker today saying, you know, sometimes I feel like we live in a matrix. And he goes, yeah, we do. And I was like, OK, uh, next topic. <laughs> But it was just like, man, you know, it, it was funny because I definitely like I was just like, man, it does feel like that. And, he, and when he said that, I was like, well, other than next topic, uh, I definitely I am determined to crack the code. You know, like I want to be able to to really maximize, you know, this life for the fullest potential that it that we're granted with it. You know, like life is fragile, you know, but. You know, we have this life in this world, and then we have the life of the Alam Haba with the help of Hashem. So, you know, um, as you're talking about the suffering and that Hashem is close and, um, and using that, because, you know, just because we're suffering, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's atonement there. There's lessons to be learned there. And Hashem gave us the Torah. You know, and that's Hashem suffering with us. And I just, I don't know, I just appreciate that because that gives me um, comfort. I'm going to go ahead and use that. It really does. It gives me comfort to know that I'm struggling and uh, Hashem is right here, though. And it's just like, yeah, because the crazy thing is, is if if that's not enough, just remember that we were not there with him when he suffered. And that, that to me is like a dagger to the heart. Cause he was just like, could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Okay, here come my captors. And everyone ran away and he's on the crucifixion stake by himself, you know, and it's just like, wow. He was the only one who was truly alone in his suffering. And we're not. So, I mean, it's powerful what you just said, and uh, and I definitely take that to heart. And I pray that Hashem will just inscribe that on my heart by His Spirit. And and to all the podcast listeners, I I pray that you're able to receive that as well, and that Hashem would totally, 
you know, transform you and and renew your essence in that. So, I mean, where I would like to go with a practical takeaway is about uh, being in, being hidden in the Anoki, you know, the substitute realm of the Akida. And um, Benny B this week does an amazing, I'm going to call it a treatise because, yeah, because he talks about man being a tree, you know, and uh, parsha shof tream or shof team, you know, it's like, so anyway, I'm, gonna, I'm pulling from there. And uh, this is literally his words. And, and I really, really, man, like Benny B, get some help. Okay, but he says this seems because he's quoting on um, Mark six. I want to go ahead and just read that because got to have context, right? So as Yeshua said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own relatives and in his own house. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Okay, that's not no slight thing, okay? But anyway, he marveled because of their unbelief. He went around the villages teaching, okay? So that was Mark 6, 4 through 7. So Benny B comments. He says, this seems to imply, at least in some cases, that the measure of healing that a person receives is based on their capacity to receive it by imuna. Okay. Now I want to take that phrase and disconnect it from the uh, previous, past, what have you occurrences and circumstances about you're not healed because you don't have enough faith. Okay, that throw that all the way out the window and drive a car over it twice. This right here is talking about the fact of truly. Like, Amuna is not just this thing, like, I believe. It's like, what are you doing? You know, where is your heart? You know, and so if you think about the capacity that we have to receive healing is based off of our faithfulness to Hashem. Like, us truly becoming one with Hashem. Us connecting with Hashem. Walking with Hashem talking with Hashem, truly having a relationship with Him, and obeying Him. That is the capacity. You know, that opens us up. You know, like we said, Hashem Seftai. Like, open up my borders. Yes. So, um, that, that statement, but then this right here, the next statement. If Hashem is the power, the Zodic becomes the power outlet. An interface to connect to Hashem. However, if one doesn't plug in, they will be unable to receive what power is in store for them. So I really like how he put that because the reason why we have to hide in Anoki is because that is literally us plugging into the socket to receive from Hashem. So being hidden in Mashiach is definitely an understatement. (laughs) There's a lot behind that that passage that Shaul writes in Colossians. So um, I just wanted to say that, you know, that we really need to 
press in to Hashem and and uh, be found hidden in His Anoki Anoki. Ruk Hashem. Yeah. Definitely agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. <laughs> Hands down. Incredible. Incredible. Ruk Shemo. Well, any uh, final notes you want to say before we say the closing bracha? Uh, well, um, I think a closing closing bracha will be fitting. It's a good. I think you, you had a, a great way to end it. End it off. All right. Well, Baruch Hashem. What Baruch do Shemo. we know? What do we know? Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Zur Kol HaOlamim. Zadik bekol hadorot, ha'el ha'ne'eman ha'omer ve'ose hamdaber, um kayem shekol devarav emet vazedik. Ne'eman atahu Adonai Eloheinu ve'ne'emanim devarecha ve'devar echad Mid Varka Oher Lo Yashuv Rekam Ki El Melek Neeman Verakaman Ata Baruk Ata Adonai Ha El Haneeman Bekol Devarav Biskut Mashiach Yeshua Amen. Amen. Well, to the listeners, may you have a Shavua Tov, and may your Shabbat be full of illumination and continued transformation during this month of Elul. Amen. And Chassis, it has been so, so great of a time, and I really appreciate this time that we got to drosh together. So, Blessings to you and your household. May you be filled with the spirit of Mashiach Yeshua. And may the fire of the Lapid consume you and light up the world for his glory. Amen. Thank you, Achi. It was, it was great to hear your insights and draws with you as always. And uh, may you be extremely blessed. You and your family be extremely blessed uh, this time of Lul. Amen. I receive it. All right, everyone, we will call it an index for now, and Lala Tov, and Shalom. Shalom.